when I start to feel that adrenaline rush, that, that not the good kind, I say to myself, letting that rule your life did not ultimately serve every part of all of your dreams. So the minute I start to feel that, it's a bit of a warning to me to say, you actually can create empires and magnetize great love and have a beautiful, rich, happy, abundant, successful life. A life that you love by doing less and being more. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, I am going to rock your world with my special guest. Sherry Salata is most known for her action-packed days as the executive producer on The Oprah Winfrey Show. She also served as co-president of Harpo Studios and OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network. And today, Sherry is venturing out to create her own message and share how her life's lessons have taught her to embody a life worth living through her pillar life approach. Now, I met Sherry at a fundraiser event hosted by Just Like My Child's organization, and I heard her share her powerful story and knew that very moment I wanted to share her story on the podcast. Well, fast forward about four months later, and she was so gracious to say yes to coming on and sharing her truth with us. But before I jump into this epic conversation about life's lessons in creating our dreams at any age, I want to take a moment and shout you out. If you have caught the last episodes here on the Essentially You podcast, you know that we are creating incredible momentum. We have new listeners coming on every single week. And I want to take a moment and share a wonderful and beautiful shout out by Deborah Mendoza. She shared this with me on Facebook about a week ago. I was so moved by Deborah's story. I knew that I wanted to share this with you. Here we go. I have been listening to Dr. Marisa's podcast since the summer, and after a lot of failed diets and programs, I began implementing what I heard about balancing my hormones with food. It's only been about a month, but I'm down a pant size, which hasn't happened in over five years. I'm feeling great and hope to continue my progress, and I also can't wait for her new book to come out. Well, thank you so much, Deborah, for sharing your win. I am so happy to be able to shout you out today. Well, I would love to take a moment and shout you out, you who are listening. So you can reach out to me via Insta. My Insta handle is at Dr. Marisa on Facebook or by simply reviewing this podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you are currently plugged into. That way, I can continue to support more incredible women who are ready to become the CEO of their own health. So now what you all have been waiting for, let's dive into this incredible conversation with Sherry Salata. But before I do that, I want to sing her praises just a little bit more so you get a sense of what she's up to. Sherry Salata is the co-host of the popular podcast series, This is 50 with Sherry and Nancy. Sherry and her soulmate friend of 28 years are redefining the middle of life as they set out to make the rest of their dreams come true. 
And let me just really quickly do a shout out for this podcast. Sherry and Nancy's podcast, This Is 50, is incredible. They have some of the best interviews. They get really nitty gritty about what it looks like to live at that age or their age and really just create all the dreams that they can possibly imagine. I love listening to it and I highly recommend you listen to it as well. Now, she is also the chief visionary of The Pillar Life, a wholly unique, inspirational and aspirational lifestyle brand based on eight foundational pillars from health to romance to happiness to friendship and family. What you'll find is that this pillar life is a life guidance system with extensions that include a digital platform, live events, e-courses, and e-commerce. Now, Sherry's current venture is the evolution of her 21-year career with Oprah Winfrey. She has currently been named one of the fastest companies, most 100 most creative people in business, the Hollywood Reporter's Women Entertainment Power 100, and the 2017 Feminist Press Power Award winners. So I know you're going to love this incredible interview with Sherry. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Sherry Salata. How are you doing today? Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here and chat with you. And I'm doing great. Oh, I love that. Well, the last time we saw each other, oh, you were so inspiring. I loved your story. I loved your mission. And we're going to be talking about the pillar life, which is something that you've created to really embody the life that we all should live. But I want to know a little bit about how did the pillar life come to be? Would you tell me a little bit about the story around that? Oh, for sure. You know, necessity is the mother of invention. And I found myself in the middle of my life at 56 with having just stepped off of the crazy dream career ride of my life, uh, working for Oprah for almost 21 years. And the truth is, while I'd had the career of my dreams, I didn't have the life of my dreams. And it was the first time I slowed down enough to really look at it. I was in the middle of life. And I said to myself that, well, if you start taking care of yourself, you might live to be 100. What else are you going to do with the rest of these years? And I think whether you're 30 or 40 or even in your 20s, let me be the canary in the coal mine for you and tell you that now is the moment you begin to closely guard, imagine, and create the quality of your life. I didn't really start doing that until I was in my mid-50s. Mm, I love that. You know, in those moments where you finally took, we took a second to just reassess and see where you were at, what were some of those discoveries for you? Kind of what was that aha moment? You were like, okay, I'm going to need to shift some things. Right. Well, the first thing is what happened was uh, it's what I call a reckoning. And I did it with, with the tenderest of eyes and the tenderest of heart. So I wouldn't completely annihilate myself. But what I could see was everything had been about work for me, everything. And of course, I was there for family and friends, but I didn't have a romantic life. I did my health and wellness was an empty bucket. I had really made everything that went on in my work life my top priority. And, you know, here's the truth. Once I got through the reckoning, what I realized is I never had to. So it's an interesting thing that, you know, the way I made the way... I was raised in the Midwest at the time I was. I had a real lunch pail idea about 
work and when somebody pays you money in the form of a salary that you have to give 100%. And it turns out my 100% is quite a bit. Definitely is. Yes. (laughs) So with some time, I mean, what, what I realized is that it is never too early to make radical self-care the absolute basis of the quality of your life. And I could have done that all along. And I had the information, my God, I, you know, I was at a front row seat to every wisdom keeper and teacher and thought leader of note. And, and I took my notes and I did my studies and I read the books and I listened and I just didn't make the choice to make it real. Mm. Now, when you decided that self-care was going to play a role here, you needed to, kind of that reckoning moment. Were there right. specific things that you wanted to bring in play? Were there some of those teachings and those that wisdom that you received from all those sages? Was there something that was you, you knew was going to come into your life? Well, one of the discoveries for me, and, and I don't know if your listeners can relate to this, but some people can, that if you are a girl who likes to have a good time, and by that, I mean, you know, you're more than happy to open the second bottle of Chardonnay and a pizza Friday sounds good. And back in those non-vegan days for me, I would repeat the same unhealthy patterns over and over and over again. So from, from the time I was in college, easily until my mid-50s. And, and of course, when you put the big stressor of a job with lots and lots of responsibility, that, that just exacerbates those those negative patterns. It's like, you're not sleeping enough. You don't have time to work out. You're just grabbing whatever you can, whatever food you can to comfort yourself and to kind of alleviate that stress. So it really was by necessity. Once I I sat back and took a look at that, I said, I'm going to have to really do things so radically different that I almost don't recognize myself. You know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. I know because I've had those moments where, where you have to shift everything, your rituals, your behaviors. I think about so often our life is just punctuated with all these rituals. You know, that Friday night ritual of eating pizza or right. opening that second. I've been the second, not necessarily the second <laughs> bottle of Chardonnay, but the second bottle of uh, Pinot Noir. I'm more of a red wine drinker. <laughs> well, I do that too. <laughs> and I've been that person and, and realizing what it, the impact it was having on my body the impact it was having on my energy levels. I just didn't feel right. And you're right. Compound that with the busyness of life and the stress of on the go, it starts to wear down on you. And you know, breaking up with a lot of those habits was a was a major shift. And there were times that it wasn't enjoyable. You you get used to those creature comforts that make you happy. Well, and they almost are like addictions and they may very well be. I was just recently listening to Russell Brand, who was talking about his journey back from a heroin addiction. But he was basically saying, if you're using food to numb yourself, if you're using screen time, rolling through Instagram to numb yourself, you need to look at those things. And I was like, yikes, and you know, more work to do for me. But what I realized was if, first of all, that radical self-care was going to have to be the platform foundation and basis for the next 50 years of my life. And I would try not to beat myself up that it should have been from my early 20s. And I even imagine what I might have accomplished. But I let that go and said, you just weren't ready. You just weren't ready to make that choice. So when I made the choice for that, I I love how you use the word rituals, because that kind of is why we created the pillar life approach. 
because I need rituals. I need reminders. I need little ways, little touch points in a day to prevent me from going unconscious. Mm, I agree. And you know, you know that unconsciousness. I envy the people who make you wait or schedule like they're they're not able to meet you for a drink at five because they have a workout and and under no circumstances are they canceling it. I was never like that. I was like, great, I don't have to work out. I'll see you there, you know. Or the people who literally would would have a room full of people waiting because they're not going to miss their meditation. So I I decided I'm not one of those people, but I want my behavior to become more like them. So that means finding ways to ensure that every day I walk the earth from here on out, I have touch points of consciousness. I love that. And I agree. I think touch points are so important. Plus, I want to believe giving up some of those habits and some of those those comforts that may be potentially numbing us or just really just allowing us a chance to escape how busy we are, how crazy things can feel. But I love I love the idea of rituals because I think that health, I think that taking care of ourselves should be enjoyable. I don't think it should be this, you know, just gosh, awful, nasty road that we're on that we don't enjoy. And that's how I think about it. I think about and that's what I love so much about the pillar life approach. What you've done is you've built in this beautiful way of living that really incorporates so much of what we love. Right. And then language is very important to me. What I've also realized as a writer and a producer and a storyteller for so many decades, or a couple decades at least, that the words we use, the stories we're telling ourselves matter so much. And with the pillars, I start to tell myself a little story of love and compassion and care And when I talk to myself about my little 15 minutes of yoga in the morning next to my bed, I'm like, gosh, I'm so lucky I get to do this, which is a far cry from what my old voice would say. It would be such a test of my will to overcome the story of, I don't want to do this. I'll start next Monday. I'd rather just go check my email, whatever all that destructive storytelling was, it was certainly very powerful. And would you find too that it was a lot of mindset that was happening for you? Did you kind of shift your mindset in the way that you thought about living life, the way that you thought about lifestyle and this approach? Well, I I will tell you, absolutely. I had to shift my heart first. And by that, I mean that, that I could be so cruel to myself all that those rebellious patterns of not taking care of myself were kind of in response to that awful voice that is so self-critical. Every time you go to put on a something, you know, an outfit, every time you get out of the shower, every time you put some makeup on in the mirror, I had over time unwittingly and unconsciously created this voice that I I was, it's a wonder I could even walk out of the door every day. It was like a body bully in a way. Just kind of, and just kind of like, you know, not a friend, friend. not a friend, not a, not a trusted beloved counselor, that voice, not a partner in manifesting dreams, that voice. So it really starts with love, which is you're great. And I love you. And, you know, let's try some things and it's okay. And, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do all this perfectly. Let's just keep leaning into what 
feels good. Mm, I love that. Here's the truth. We tend to minimize the simplicity of happiness and what feels good. And maybe that's the most powerful North Star we have. Can you speak on that a little bit? How do we cue into something like that? Or how is it that you were able to cue into that for yourself? Well, it's by recognizing its opposite. That That's what happened for me, is that when I finally took some time to really reckon, reckon through my life with, with absolute tenderness and, and a loving heart, I could see that for most of my life, literally probably even in junior high, that misery was my compass. That misery, like I would not leave a situation, a relationship, a job, any kind of situation until I was so miserable I could barely get out of bed. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure what that was. Was that not wanting change? Was that always trying to make the wrong thing work? I did that early on in my career because I had just a, a big old bunch of jobs you know, that have nothing to do with what I do today. But even when, you know, the 20s is your time to be figuring out what you're supposed to do to try this, try that. Well, I would go into an ill-fitting job where in three days you're like, well, I don't think this is it. But in my mind, I, I would try to turn it into my path to retirement. And it was only when I was so miserable that that I would leave. So once I realized that misery was my compass, I thought, well, that's a crazy way to live for an enlightened spiritual woman. That That's insane. What that means is around every corner, misery and unhappiness is waiting for you because that's the only thing that helps you evolve. So once I decided that, I thought, well, what if I made happiness my compass? And that's when things started clicking in for me. So it was like an active choice. And I love it. You realized that you kind of had this awakening moment where that's where you saw how you approach things and you were able to shift that. And now that you are, now that love and in really focusing on the heart is that North star, how does it feel? Like what is life today, you know, in this new transformation? Cause what I see is really fabulous. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, listen, I, I am no longer bound by my restrictive thinking. So now I pay attention to that voice in my head and I make sure that that voice is, is loving and fair and optimistic and positive and encouraging. And the truth is, because I'm not perfect, very quickly when it's not, I, I'm aware of it because it's my default position now. So when I walk into a situation and something doesn't work out that I wanted to work out, like I'm in a meeting and I really think something's going to about to happen, but it really doesn't. I go, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see what the universe has in store for me next because I am, I am committed to my belief and to be, to rising up to a set point of it's all working out for me. And have you found that to be true as well? Have there been moments the last couple of years since you've made this transition where the one thing you thought was going to happen maybe didn't didn't work out the way exactly how it was supposed to, but then it opened this beautiful door for you for something better? Yes, it always is. I can look back on my life and that that exact stance has always been true. The difference is you can fight it and make yourself miserable or you can you can know in the moment that something that you think you want isn't happening you can say great i can't wait to see what the what surprises are in store 
And, and that, that really becomes your day in and day out life experience. I would think, I would wager to guess a lot of people feel looking at your life from the outside that a lot of your dreams have come true, right? Working for Oprah, you know, in that position is just incredible. But I would love to know, has that changed? What do you believe to be the secret for making your dreams come true? Because Sherry, honey, you've done it in a lot of ways. <laughs> I love the secret. <laughs> well, listen, that, that certainly is a big one. That 20 plus year ride was the culmination of so many hopes and dreams of mine. And it's, you know, one of, one of my greatest creations, no questions and manifestations. But what do I think is the secret to making your dreams come true? What I realized a few years ago, again, when I took a moment to, to really look at my life is that there is a tendency to minimize the, the robust muscular possibilities of the word dreaming. If you're not carving out 15 or 20 minutes to do some daydreaming about your day-to-day life, about in all the areas, all the pillars of your life, what your dreams are, then you're not taking your, your ability to create your own life seriously. So that's one of the things is you've got to really, you've got to really understand that um, dreaming isn't a Hallmark card. It is a quantum practice that creates outcomes. And can you tell me a little bit about how you love to dream? Is it in journaling? Is it in vision boarding? Is it just sitting there on your couch every morning? Is it through meditation? Like what has been the secret sauce for you, that active practice for you? And I 100% agree it needs to be a practice. Yeah, it definitely needs to be a practice. And it looks, it takes its own different shapes. Like I'm not a fantastic journaler. I really am not. And and like I have all kinds of half-started notebooks. I have had some success on my MacBook Air, the little notes section, because I just hauled that computer around like my portable office and I can pull it up and <laughs> do a little daydreaming and think about, and just think about, okay, health and wellness. Where am I at today? What's my vision for that today? And it might be different than it was six months ago. And just take a little turn on that. And then... I close my eyes and I conjure some really good feelings like, God, that feels good. I feel, gosh, I feel really excited and happy and enthusiastic. And then I just kind of leave it. I gently put it down and move on to something else instead of girding my loins like, please come true. You know, I really try to hold it all very lightly. So my practice changes. It's a little meditative. It's a little... um, some typing, sometimes some writing, but it is definitely one of a few things I do not skip on a daily basis. Right. And is it usually for you? Is it, do you find your creativity kind of all of these ideas, these visions and these dreams, do they happen for you more in the morning or is it, is it very loosely for you throughout the day as well? Mm, I have a good download in the morning after sleeping for sure. Now, is this part of a morning routine? Do you have a morning routine? Girl, I'm, I'm a big fan of morning routines. Yes. I was just curious. Well, here, here's my, I'll tell you what my aspirational morning routine is that I'm still rising up to meet, which is having a magic, at least one magic hour from the moment I open my eyes. And I would say I haven't completely mastered it yet, but when I do, it is indeed magic, which is no email, no phone. It's getting my 20 minute, I do TM. So getting my morning 20 minute meditation in right away, generally a workout, 
and I might jump into notes and, and write down like waking up. Here's what it feels like to me. Like if I can describe it specifically, I wake up and I go, oh, you know what? We should add a pillar. Oh, we should set up this meeting or, oh, this could be really fun for us to do. Let's, let's try that. So I get little tangible ideas like that. I also make sure that when I wake up that I'm right on that mood mood management piece because a happy person has a happy life and I'm in charge of my mood. So I get right on that to say, like when I'm like, oh my God, I have so much to, to do today. I'm like, love, love. I touch, put my hands on my heart. Love. I have another day on earth. Love that. And I really start working it. That's from the very beginning in the morning. That's kind of like your, your mood boosting activity is just connecting in with that emotion. Cause you're right. When we start to get, we start to get in this tizzy of so much to do. We just go down this other rabbit hole. Yeah. And I spent years of my life, honestly, with to-do lists that were as long as like a, a cartoon Santa Claus list that just kind of rolled out and kept rolling and rolling. And I'd look down at it that my imaginary to-do list knowing I'd never get to the end of it. And it was kind of defeating. So while I, I, I'll have to take notes and like remember to do this or call this or do that, otherwise I, I would really you know, I, I forget everything. I really am trying to focus more on what do I want to be? What's my to-be list? And every time I start to feel that surge of old energy, which is that that company energy, you got to get it done. Deadlines. Oh my God. What if it's not done by Tuesday? When I start to feel that adrenaline rush, that, that not the good kind, Mm-mm. I say to myself, letting that rule your life, did not ultimately serve every part of all of your dreams. So the minute I start to feel that, it's a bit of a warning to me to say, you actually can create empires and magnetize great love and have a beautiful, rich, happy, abundant, successful life, a life that you love by doing less and being more. Yes. Yes. I always feel like that moment where the adrenaline starts to surge. It's like my clutch the pearls moment. And I really, that's not going to serve me. Oh my God. I love that. I haven't heard that expression for so long. That's exactly right. Clutching the pearls. And I can go there in about 20 seconds. That's Mm -hmm. how deeply rooted those neural pathways are in me. I can imagine. Yeah. Thinking about this life. And I love that it's because so much for me, it is just that mindset that reanalyzing the circuitry, right? Changing those pathways. Were there some, some mentors in your life? Was there anyone in particular who you saw create this beautiful empire with flow and grace without those crazy deadlines that you were like, you know what? I've seen it done. I know it can be done. Well, listen, I feel like where we're going to really learn that beautifully is from the young women right now in their 20s who are opting to be entrepreneurial and opting to put personal freedom first. I feel like because they're, they've been raised differently, because they are growing up with a sense of early on more permission, maybe, I think they're going to teach us how to do that. I'm right now relearning for myself. Now I'm teaching myself and I'm teaching myself from a place of, I'm not doing that again. Well, that was crazy. I'm not doing that. And, and I had, I like to call it the catbird seat of some of the most influential wisdom keepers of our time, of course, including Oprah. 
And I can cherry pick from best practices from all of them because I had such a close-up look. So that's kind of a, a big benefit of having had that experience is I can kind of see what works, what doesn't work. And then I have my own experience of what worked and what doesn't work. And now I get to, because of this time, this place, this moment, this quantum moment, that I get to do it however I want for the rest of my days on earth. And and I have an awareness and a consciousness of how I want that to look. And I bet that feels so good when you sit down with that and say, I'm creating this and I get to create it however I like. And I want that message to be so pervasive today in this, in this conversation because so many, so many of us, so many women, we feel like we are driven by obligation, that we do have a lot more ability to live our dreams, not necessarily live by obligation. It took me many years to realize that I didn't have to live by other people's obligations. That was how I was raised. And I completely understand that. And what's more is that delusion that you can carry around for for years and years and years that you can control other people's behavior. You can control other people, what they think about you, that you have any control over anybody, really, including your own kids. I mean, that that's all a bit of a delusion that you have control over other people's reactions, feelings, responses, over their decisions about their personal freedom. And personal freedom was not something highly touted when I was coming up the ranks in this human experience. In fact, she does what she wants to do was kind of an insult. It's something my mother would say to me when she was irritated with me. You know, you just think you could do whatever you want. That was not something to aspire to. That was her way of telling me I was out of line, too much, being too selfish, whatever. And so I quickly learned to tap that down. But the truth is, you can do anything you want to do and you should. It is the most elevated spiritual practice. Yes. Yes, I agree. It's hard for me to even say that. It is. Coming from where I come, but I know it's true. I was thinking about growing up and I was always selfish. If I was focusing on my schoolwork or I was focusing on my career, it was a very selfish act for women in particular to not focus on family or whomever else mattered at the time. And I feel like we still are very much grappling with that, you know, with that idea that you're second place, your priorities aren't as important. Well, yeah. And also the cultural weapons or the emotional weapons, even people in our own families can wield of guilt and shame. So, you know, that idea of personal freedom, it's super spiritual. It's so rich. Gosh, it really releases so many chains that when you honor your personal freedom, when you understand it, when you honor it, when you place a priority on it, when you realize that in a staff job year after year, raising your family year after year, you're not in the gulag. There are no real have-tos. You got to infuse the joy and and the choices that you want to make to raise a family or have a career, but understand that your personal freedom is really, it's, it's the thing the universe blesses you with when you come into this experience. Now, have you found that this personal freedom really that kind of embodies so much of what you're doing today? How is that woven into your work-life balance and 
quick question I always ask people because a lot of people are like, well, work-life balance or any kind of balance is just a myth. You just kind of roll with the punches and see what happens. But I'd love to see, has that, your personal freedom kind of dictated or helped to create the type of work-life experience that you're having? Because I have a feeling your work looks like so much fun. And so I have a feeling that it's kind of interwoven in your, in your life. I have very strong feelings about work-life balance because it was that whole concept shamed me for so long. And so I would say that it's not a principle I subscribe to. It's not something I seek. Instead, what I, I decided for myself was I want an integrated life. So I I don't even really, I don't call it work anymore because that's a little triggering for me, but it's about creativity and innovation, which is one of my pillars. And I just infuse it into my life. So I created a professional group of activities that really are about keeping me on track and and keeping me moving forward in the life I want to live. And I offer it and I share it because if anybody else wants to come, that's great. But this is what matters to me now. This is the only conversation I want to have. I only want to be uplifted and be an uplifter. I want to be delighted. I want to be exposed to new concepts and new ideas. I want to have great spiritual conversations. Um, that's really that's really now my professional life. And it's, and it's on my dining room table and in my backyard and in my car and, you know, at my, my co-founder Nance's house and it's on the podcast. I just, I tried to grapple with the concept of work-life balance. And as a working woman who had other responsibilities, not children to raise, but I had other responsibilities in my life. I always felt like I was coming up short on something. And now what I realize is you're just flowing your attention where you want to flow it. And sometimes your professional activities are going to get a little bit more of your time. Sometimes it's going to be something going on in your family. And no matter what, what is the baseline foundation is radical self-care and personal freedom. Radical self-care. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's fun. You're right. You're right to say that. I'm, I'm having more fun than ever because I feel free and delighted and joyful and not anxious and, and worried and burdened. As like those triggers you were talking about. I remember when I was listening to you on the lawn that day and you talked about work being a trigger. Ooh, it hit the heart of me. You know, when yeah. I lived a life that felt that it was full work. I didn't know anything besides work. My mama always taught me that my, I mean, it wasn't on purpose, but that it was very much the thing that my worth was predicated on how much I did. And when you had said that that day, I was like, whoa, 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 take a step, you know, and and, and integrate that. And so being able to shift the way that you have created this life. You talked about the pillars, innovation and adventure, creativity, sanctuary, beauty, abundance, happiness. I mean, those are all the things that we really want. I like to believe that these are a lot of the things that we as women are really looking for to encompass and embody. I so think you're right. And sometimes, and I know this is true for me, sometimes for us, we're so far in a rut that we don't even realize we're in a rut because we can't see out. 
And there's just a malaise or just a hum to our lives that, that isn't real music. And it isn't until you, you just force yourself to look up beyond the rut and do something unusual for yourself. For me, I, I took a knife skills class at Sur La Table. And I was like, oh my God, this is so fun. This is amazing. It just started me thinking like, you don't even know how many ruts you've put yourself in because you've got to raise yourself out of them to to even understand. Yes. So many times we have no idea how far down that hole we are. That's right. That's right. And it's, you know, step by step, dream by dream, trying things, trying to add some ritual and practice to your life and starting to feel better. That's the beginning of lifting your eyes out of your rut. I love that reminder every morning. The thing that's really sticking to me that you said, you're hardwired. There's neural pathways. You have 20 years or even more, 30 years or so of going and work being the thing. I'm sure that you could wake up. You're like, oh my God, I have all these. And you know what you're capable of, right? You know what you you can create and get into that zone. But being able to just focus on your heart, focus on those feelings, focus on loving yourself, focus on being in those pillars, you're remapping those neural pathways every single day. And I think that's such a great, great way. You know, I notice it anytime I feel like in a moment where I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I think of myself just like I said, clutching the pearls. I'm like, okay, I do not need to clutch pearls right now. I really don't ever really need to clutch pearls. And how do I step away from that? And for me, I use a lot. I use oils. We talked a little bit about aromatherapy earlier because it's the thing that I'll grab to create, just kind of give myself that reset. I have this kind of, I always carry my oils with me everywhere I go, but I want them on hand so that I can help. It's part of my, my resetting to get out of that rut, to get out of, out of heading down in that direction. I'm not trying to go. I love that. I love that. So you have specific tools that you can keep on your person that can snap you back to the path you want to walk. It's like the temptations everywhere to, you know, scroll through everybody else's Instagram account or turn on cable news and listen to what the latest is going on in that razzmatazz. And next thing you know, everybody else's agenda, emotions, concerns are now ruling your vibrational stance, you know, your environment. It's it's infesting your own environment. So I think that's great. I love that. I need to learn more about that. But I told you before we started talking, I put in some essential oils in my little diffuser. I know you were telling me about it. I've got a diffuser going myself right now. One of my favorite oils is wild orange and it's known as the oil of abundance. And it's just, that's what, and every time I smell, I always tell people, you cannot stay angry after you breathe this oil. It's almost an impossibility. I, I dare people to try it. And because I definitely been those, there's been angry moments where I've grabbed that oil. I just take a moment, um, step away, reset, and it, everything just shifts for me. That oil is so gorgeous and it has just, it's pure joy. It just kind of shifts all of those neurotransmitters. And so I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I love having a new tool. I love having a new tool. Okay, the last question I wanted to just ask you, and I know we kind of connected in that, but I just want to ask this very specific question anyway. What is mattering most to you now? I feel like we have been talking about that. We've been dancing around that. But if you were to disseminate that into, you know, into something, what would that be? Hands down, the quality of my life matters most to me now. And I make all decisions based on that. 
So am I doing what I love? And this is, this is in all areas, aspects of life. Am I doing what I love? Am I doing it with people I love? Am I doing it for people I love? Am I doing it with people I love? It's the quality of my life that it infuses my ability to take a happy position in every moment of my day. It informs everything. It gives me optimism. It, it helps me see the rainbow. It helps me see the 15,000 colors of green in my backyard. The quality of my life is my non-negotiable now. And if there is someone listening to this call or listening to us today and they are feeling like they are deep in that rut, is there anything yeah. that you can tell them? Yes, I've been there. Oh my gosh, I've been there so many times over and over and over and over again. And I would say this, if, if there's one thing I did right is I never gave up. I kept knowing that there was a more joyful way to be. And the way I walked my way out of that rut was, was baby steps at a time. Just the next step, the next step, the next dream, the next dream. Nancy Halla, my um, podcast co-host, and I, we have this, this saying we say to each other, it's, it's almost like, you know, we're girlfriends of 30 years. We know everything about each other. We're kind of in this reinvention moment together. And what we say is next right dream, next right dream. It reminds us that the power of dreaming and it reminds us that next one, next one, just go after the next one, dream up the next one and keep it small and simple. And you just start to build on that vibrational power. And then once you start feeling a little better, then you're willing to feel a little bit more better. Then you're willing to try another something and then another something. And all those little daily practices over time are what create a happy life experience. It's the little things, as you well know. It is the little things. I love it. And where can we find you and Nancy? Where is your brilliance being shared? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's so nice of you to say that. Well, we do have some funnies. I mean, right now we're talking about online dating and Viagra, which, you know, it's like, oh, my God, I can't even believe I'm having those conversations. Our podcast is called This is 50, F-I-F-T-Y spelled out with Sherry and Nancy. And it's on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. It's on everything. We, we have a really, really, really great bunch of listeners. And I hope your listeners will give us a give us a try because we're having a lot of fun on that podcast and trying to elevate our lives at the same time. And then we have our site, thepillarlife.com. And we have a free guide. Tell us a little about this free guide because we were able to touch into the pillar life. And what I, like I said, I love about what you've created is that it encompasses so much of what we want for ourselves. And you have detailed what this is exactly inside of this beautiful free guide. Well, it's kind of like you were saying, you were just asking me, what about somebody who's, you know, been depressed or feels stuck? How do you get going? I mean, you and I, are on the path. So we're excited and we're generating enthusiasm and we know what the gifts are. So we created, a, it's called the 10 easy steps to launch the pillar life. And they're super easy. I mean, nothing's hard. They're super easy. And even if you just did five of them in your first month, you would begin to see a difference in the quality of your life experience. You would start to feel better. I know we all love a little easy in our life. It's the big lever. So you guys, 
go grab that. It's going to be in the show notes. Super easy to get. If you're looking to really create those big levers and move the needle, then this is going to be the thing that's going to do it. Sherry, thank you so much for sharing, again, your wisdom, sharing your truth today. I just had the most incredible time. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, everybody. Did you enjoy every moment of this interview like I did? From the moment I met Sherry, I knew she was the real deal. And through her authenticity and experience, she has so much to give the world. I immediately resonated with her belief around work-life balance and knowing her full story and how she rose to become the executive producer to one of the biggest shows on TV, you can begin to realize that we all have the capacity to create and live our dreams. Well, if you are ready to dive in with Sherry, I really want to invite you to grab her beautiful gift, the Pillar Life Guide. Now you can find it in my show notes for episode 48 and you can head over to drmarisa.com slash podcast you will see it as the, the most recent podcast with all of the links in there. And definitely go check her out on Insta. It's at Sherry Salata or at This Is 50. And even check out her podcast episodes. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. On my upcoming episode, I can't wait to introduce you to this incredible bright light from Australia, Nat Krigundis. Now, Nat is a naturopathic doctor, and we are discussing what it means to be a role model for young women today. I can't wait to see you on this next episode as we explore how we bring up this new generation of women to feel empowered about their hormones, empowered about their health, and empowered in making better lifestyle choices for themselves for many years to come. Well, I look forward to seeing you at the next episode. Until then, have an incredible week. Bye.